4: nobody not
3: out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there?
4: Anybody wants
3: to get mellow, you can turn around and get the
1: fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, podcast. with host A. Trunk.
2: What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And as I tell you guys every week on the podcast, all the interviews you hear originated on my SiriusXM radio show, which is Trunk Nation, and heard Monday through Friday live, 3 to 5 Eastern, on Faction Talk. Sirius XM channel 103 or anytime on demand on the Sirius XM app. There's also a nightly re-air of the show on 103 at midnight Eastern 9 Pacific. If you're only listening to this podcast and you can get Sirius XM radio, you're only getting a tiny taste of what I do on the radio live every day. So please come on board and join us for daily rock talk. And I got a great way for you to sample the show totally free. You can get a free three-month subscription to Sirius XM. No credit card required. All you got to do is go to SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. SiriusXM.com Eddie Trunk. No credit card needed. Three free months of Sirius XM radio. Listen on your app. And uh, this way you can get caught up and hear what we're doing on the radio every day and get the full picture and come on board and join us. All right. So speaking of interviews from Sirius XM, uh, about a week and a half ago, I was in the L.A. studios doing some shows and I was joined by a bunch of great guests. If you do have Sirius XM, you can see video of the interview you're about to hear on the Sirius XM app. And the interview we're bringing to you this week from Los Angeles is with Scott Ian of Anthrax, who had his son revel with him who is 12 years old and already an accomplished musician in a couple of different bands. And also in studio, Corey Taylor best known of course, as the lead singer in Slipknot who is about to embark on a tour in support of his second solo album CMFT two or CMF two, I think is actually the full name, but anyway, that record is coming out next month. Corey was in L.A., Scott lives in L.A., and we all got together and had a great time shooting the shit about all sorts of stuff in their respective careers and, of course, the world of rock music. So without further ado, we take you to the Sirius XM L.A. studios. We start with Scott Ian and his son, who gets involved, and then Corey Taylor joins for a good part of the second half of the interview. Hope you enjoy this. Great catching up with these guys and having them on together and happy to bring it to you this week as the Eddie Trunk Podcast. So how are you, man? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, what have you been up to? You sh- you said you were in New York for a while.
5: Yeah, summer vacation. We, uh, we're not out this summer, which is a, r- a rare thing. Why um, is that? By choice or? No, because we're making, well, there's two main reasons. We started making a record. And uh, Charlie's out with Pantera. Oh,
2: that's right. <laughs> Your drummer's not around. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot he's in Pantera. But
5: uh, but even if uh, even if that was the even if that wasn't the case, if Charlie wasn't out with Pantera at, at this point, I think we would have taken this summer off because even since shows started up again for us in two thousand one. Um, it wouldn't have made any sense for us to be out this summer. We really needed to start making an album so we can then come back, let's say a year from now and uh, start on a new cycle because, you know, it's been seven years since the last record. We did the 40th anniversary thing. Like, you know, it's time for new music.
2: I was going to ask you about that. How long it's been since four all Kings, seven years, seven years. Jesus, I, I know. That's insane. Revel
5: put it on in the car the other day. And I was like, I don't think I've heard this album in seven years. It's like, it's, And it felt new to me, which was cool because I haven't listened to it in so long.
2: Uh, Scott's son, Revel, is here. And uh, for those that don't know, Revel is a musician himself. Yes. Revel, how old are you now? I'm 12. You're 12. Anybody that's seen Scott's social media has seen Scott and Revel jam. And it's incredible. And uh, I, so I was went, I don't know what it was 4 or 5 months ago. Well,
4: uh, I'm not actually in that band anymore.
2: Okay, well the band I saw you play yeah. at the bowling alley, that's not happening anymore. No. It's <laughs> already lineup changes. He's already dealing with upheaval in his career yes, at 12. Yes.
4: I have band practice today. I play guitar in a band called Reject Your Reality.
2: So now you're playing guitar. Yeah. So because when I walked in, I was I had no idea you were going to be there or your dad was going to be there and I was there with a friend to see another band. And there you came in and got ready to go do your thing, and I, th- I thought it was pretty, pretty killer. But you have moved on from that. Oh uh, yeah. Now you you are gonna play. You're not sure what you're gonna play: guitar, drums. You're gonna play both, or are you just.
4: Oh no! I'll do anything. That's
2: crazy. Can you play bass too?
4: Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. Everything. Scott, did you teach him all this? Um, n- no, no. Uh, obviously not drums, and uh, no guitar. Totally self-taught. I mean, once in a while,
4: you kind of told me you told me to play with a pick, so I started playing with a pick when I first, you know what I mean? Right,
5: when you were really little, yeah, like when he was really little and didn't really understand how any of it worked. But he's, I mean, he just sits and learns songs and writes songs, uh, you know, all day long, basically. Riffs, yeah, riffs all day long. (laughs) Twelve, yeah. Jeez. and and what about uh, drums? Scott, can you play drums?
2: terribly. So did, how do Revel did you,
4: Revel, did you learn
2: drums self-taught too? Did you just figure it out or did you get lessons? Pretty,
4: pretty much. I had lessons when I was younger and um starting from like when I was 9 years old, I took lessons with a drummer named Thomas Lang. Okay. For like 2 years. Thomas I need to, is the I need best. to get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. But wow. he
5: plays every day. We we built a a studio at our house so he could play anytime. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, if it's not drums, it's guitar. If it's not guitar, it's bass. It's always, it's just music constantly, which is the best.
2: So do you want to, I know you're still tw- only 12 years old, but is your goal to be a musician like your dad for a living? Yes. Is that what you want to do? Yes. It's a tough road. You hey. ready for it?
4: <laughs> uh, sure. The ups, yeah. the
2: downs, the travel, all that sort of stuff. The problem today, and Scott, you tell me if you agree with this, but you know, back when you were starting, when Anthrax was starting, when we were all starting out, the whole goal was to get a record deal because right. that was the gateway into being able to make a record.
5: Yeah, you couldn't put an album out yourself. No. You couldn't physically make a record. You couldn't do any of that stuff. I'd
2: say that all the time. I think people forget that. Like, you physically could not produce right. and distribute yeah, we music.
4: In the car today, we were just talking about. We're going to start, like, actually building the studio. Um, the control room. Now, the control right? room. And we are saying, because I'm super into Black Flag right now, we are saying <laughs> we could it's... make, he you said, you said you could make an album just on your phone. That sounds better than any Black Flag album.
5: Technically, yeah. from a production standpoint, that is absolutely possible.
2: But here's the downside of all of this, as I see it. So there's, so there's the upside. Kid like Revel, 12 years old, do whatever he wants, put music out. You can, you and your dad can put stuff on social media, you guys playing, it's great. But the problem is, so can everybody. Yeah. And that makes the pool, like it used to be like when your dad got a record deal that was like a whole hurdle you reached, you separated yourself from the pack, you had arrived. Now you're, everybody's in that same pool and it just got a thousand times bigger. So it's like, it's almost like, I don't know, Scott, you tell me if if you agree with me, but it's almost like the idea of selling music is gone. It's just, no, we have it and listen to it. Because, you know, how many people do we know, Scott, that we run into and they're like, uh, like, I get calls all the time. People say to me stuff like, uh, whatever happened to a band? Like, what name the band? And they put out like a record every other year for the last 20 years. These people just like disappeared. They checked out. You know,
5: I I, I think, look, it's obviously we grew up without, we're from the pre-internet era. And, uh, you know, I see now the the tools and the assets people have to anything you want to learn how to play on guitar. You just go on YouTube, anything you need to know how to do. You can just go on YouTube and learn how to do it. And uh, but then anyone can do that. But not everyone is going to then take that knowledge or take what they just learned and be able to transform it into something better, into something great, into something brilliant or genius or or different or new groundbreaking um so i i think yes there's a much larger pool a hundred percent um but at the same time i'm a true believer in the best stuff is always going to rise somehow just like back in our day in 1983 there were probably a thousand dudes easily who were better than me on guitar there were probably a thousand bands that wrote great songs that no one ever heard because there was no internet you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the same now. You could be the g- sickest shredder sitting in your room at home in your gamer chair. Um and you may be technically an incredible guitar player, but does it mean you can write a song? Does it mean you could ever leave that room in your house that I mean which some is people exactly, can.
2: Which is exactly my point. My point is there's a ton of people flooding the channels right. that should that that are just congesting things in and- making things oversaturated, that probably shouldn't be. You can't fault somebody just having fun. No, of course. But at the same token, it's like it makes the good stuff even harder to find.
5: Possibly, but that's why people still, there are still people out there doing those jobs, trying to weed out. Back in the day when you'd have a pile of, Tapes, cassette tapes, or and then CDs on your desk and like, geez, I got to listen to all 50 of these things to try and find a band. You got people doing the same thing now, scouring TikTok, scouring YouTube, looking for what's the next thing, what, who's going to set the world on fire, whether it's hardcore or pop. Whatever it is. That's I mean, Mike Gitter, a guy that we've both known for a million years, he's still one of those dudes. He's still out there doing it. And uh, you know, that there, there are there are people who still do that. They're still they just have a lot more shit to weed through.
2: <laughs> yeah, but do you think that and I've talked to some people about this who do that now? Do you think that these people are really listening for what is good, or are they just looking at the analytics? Because so much of it is like, don't even talk to me unless you have X amount of streams or views. Of course, of
5: course. We all know that exists, and that's, that's basically the nature of the game these days. But there still are guys, and there still are people, there still are men, women, who their passion is what matters first because like I know people that do A and R that still they fall in love with a band. Whether or not that's gonna mean anything to whatever label it is they're working for, um, that's above their pay grade. But they will still be passionate and they'll still go to battle for that band, you know. But yeah, you're right. So much is analytics. Um I don't know what to even compare that to back in the eighties when Let's say I mean we were lucky we found Johnny and we were able to get a deal at Megaforce and that was our stepping stone, you know, to what the major record deal, the major label deal, which was of course everybody's goal back then. That was the that was the chalice, and that, that was wasn't the holy easy. grail. You
2: you you just getting Johnny on board was not. I no, mean, you, of you not. went at him at an IHOP or something. Yeah, he yeah. told me or whatever. Yeah, because so, I mean,
5: well, he didn't have a pot to piss in right, like us. He right. just had a, an idea and the the heart to go do it somehow, but. uh Back then, you know, you had the gatekeepers who, you know, like we were just a bunch of kids playing what we didn't even know was thrash metal yet. And on this indie label, us and Metallica. And then, you know, we sell out the Roseland Ballroom in August of 1984. And just so happened that night you had Elektra, Atlantic, and Island were all in the building. And Metallica signed to Electra and Raven signed to Atlantic. And we signed to Island. And that was all pretty much based on the fact that who are these Three bands that just sold you know four thousand tickets at Roseland. Uh, We we should at least give this a chance. It seems like the kids are into this now, you know. Mm. But you also you had people like Michael Olago and uh, and other A and R people who knew that what we were doing at that time meant something and was going to become the next big thing.
2: Yeah, and of course Olago would go and take Metallica to Elektra, right? And then how I'm trying to remember this like. Because even though Metallica was obviously West Coast, the roots were in New York and New Jersey at that time because they were relocated here, right? Or that there, there. Yeah. I'm saying here, like I'm in, I'm home. Um, but but Slayer, like, I'm trying to remember because I remember Slayer playing Lemore's early on, like around Helloweights and all of that. Yeah, but really early on, they weren't really on the radar for us in the New York area, right?
5: Or they you- were for me because I was a tape trader. Yeah. And I would go to Bleaker Bob's and buy anything I could get my hands on that even like had the slightest scent of being extreme metal. Yeah, um, And uh, so I already knew about like the Mike Varney shrapnel records, that kind of stuff right. coming from the West Coast. And then Metal Blade I, I knew of very early on because they put out that comp album Metal that Massacre. Had, yeah that had metallica on it and then i believe had slayer on the second one maybe Yeah, if i'm but uh yeah so slayer was on my radar from from way early would you remember the first thing you heard from first slayer first thing i heard from slayer from the tape
2: Do you remember what you got i know i don't remember did you like it immediately yeah yeah you did. did yeah see because i it's funny i've told this story before about when johnny literally so so this year I want to talk to you about this off the air, actually, because um, my 30th anniversary in radio, you played. Uh-huh. You, we had that party in Times Square. Right. And you got a, an Ace and Peter played, and it was this whole great jam. Yeah. So this year, speaking of time flying, this year's 40 years. That was
5: 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Oh, my God.
2: So uh, you were part of that big jam that we had uh, 10 years ago. And then I don't know if you were at it, but the one for 25 years of radio, which was 15 years ago, was Priest. I don't know if you were in town or you uh, came to priest play.
5: I don't think I was there.
2: But but the point of me bringing this up is that 40 years ago, Johnny Z, we're talking about the late, great Johnny Z, founder of Megaforce, literally uh, knocked on my door mm-hmm. as a kid out of high school starting a metal show in radio in New Jersey and would not leave until I played this band <laughs> that he believed in. And that he had risked everything for and needed to be able to tell he got played on the radio. Right. And it was Metallica. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was aware of who they were just because of the tapes going around and everything, but I'd never really heard them. And uh, he played, he had the 12-inch single for Jump in the Fire. Uh Uh-huh. And he would not, he physically, I was like, John, leave it. I'll- Listen to it. I'll see maybe next week or whatever. Because eighty three, I'm on the radio. I'm, my hands are shaking because I'm I'm nervous. Yeah, you know, I, sure. I'm, I'm still new to it. And back then, there's no computers. There's no CDs. There's mm-hmm. no nothing. You're playing vinyl. Yeah, you're queuing up records with a needle, and you got to make sure it's the right spot and it doesn't skip, and the record's clean. So I had a lot, like it was a lot to deal with and he wouldn't leave. He's like, <laughs> by the way, I, I gotta be able to say I had it played, please, please, play. That was Johnny. Oh so, yeah, so I just wanted to get him out of the room Yeah. and I played Jump in the Fire and uh, people say to me all the time like, did you hear like the future? Did you hear what was gonna become the one of the biggest bands in the world? I was like, no! Yeah. Like you know me forever. I was into Kiss and Van Halen. Sure, like I, what the sure. hell was that?
5: Meanwhile, you're thinking I've got I got three and a half minutes to find another song to play. Well, I jump in the chicken.
2: fire is like six and a half minutes. <laughs> I oh, think. is it? Or six, uh, I think it's longer. At least four or five. Right, right. Not that short. But yeah, I'm just like get me get on to the next. But people say to me all the time, like, "What'd you think when you heard?" I like,
5: "I don't know." Like, you should, I, you should have, you know, you should have a story. I knew it then. <laughs> I knew it. The clouds <laughs> parted and the light <laughs> shined down. and said, "They are going to be the biggest band in the world." Like that thing. When, what's that quote from? Uh, from the guy
2: uh, who's now, John Landau, who's now Bruce Springsteen's manager, but yeah. was a writer at the time. He first right. time I heard Springsteen, goes, I heard the future of rock and roll or something. I couldn't say that. I could say that if I lied, but I sure. was like, I, I thought I heard a car crash. Like, I couldn't process what that was. <laughs> but you came from a different, like, even though around the same age, you came from a different thing because you were also into yeah. the more extreme stuff. You sure. were into hardcore. You were into other stuff. Right. So, for me, I wasn't. So, I can understand how it was a little bit of an easier connection because you were just looking for the more extreme I, stuff. I
5: can say that when Metallica first came to New York, and uh, Danny Lilker and I met them at the music building in Jamaica, Queens, because that's where Anthrax had a rehearsal room. And Johnny had gotten them a rehearsal room there to, so they would have a place to jam all the time because they were still rehearsing and getting ready to go record Kill 'Em All. This is when Dave was still in the band. And, uh, we would sit in the room. They would they set up in their room and uh, they did something different than I had ever seen. Every band that I knew that would rehearse, you'd set up your gear like, like a show, like a backline, and then you'd stand in front of it and play. Metallica set up theirs. You had the drums and then the amps in like a circle, and they stood in the middle with the amps around them. So we would sit in, like me and lilker it would be like late at night because you could play in that building twenty four seven and uh we would just be sitting in that room in that circle while they were playing the songs that were going to be on Kill 'em All and uh and no vocals even cuz there was no PA and uh just them playing those songs instrumentally and I, I i could say i had never heard or felt anything like that the the guitar riffs the tightness of the playing between James and Dave Mustaine um the energy of it, the aggression, I can't even get started on Cliff. I mean, nobody had ever even – this freak, like, headbanging in rehearsal like a maniac, right, with his WAP well, He pedal even did his, it in
2: rehearsal with no oh, real audience? Out of
5: his mind. Really? Yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. he just looked at, like, me and Lilker and, like, Charlie. We were his audience, you right. know. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember, like the fr- like, you know, whatever hair I had on my arms at that time standing up just being like, This is insane. Like this is, and I'm not going to say, I I immediately said they're the next Iron Maiden or Judas Priest. No, but I, I will say I had never felt anything like that. Anything, anything. Still to this day, sitting there in that room in that little circle, feeling those guys play those songs was an experience unlike any other. I mean, I'm not going to, I I don't, I'm not one of those guys, but there was magic in the air. You know, it it wasn't that it was just four guys who were so intensely focused on their, on their goal. And the energy that was coming out of those amps, I, I mean, from their right hands was just, it was mind blowing.
2: Mm, yeah. I, I, but, but I, and I talked to Lars about this all the time because for you, people like you and I that were there so early on, I, I, even though you felt that energy, and even though I felt like, wow, something's going on here, but, but I don't really know what this is, I don't think any of us, including the band, thought 40 years later we'd be sitting here and they're going out playing multiple nights at stadiums
5: around oh, the world. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. mean top it, three, four bands in the, on the planet, right? Yeah. I mean, arguably.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. it's so, so I don't think anybody could have anticipated the commercial success making music like that. Um, you touched on anthrax doing a record how far along are you
5: um, not far um, but we did uh we had a, a session here in l a uh Charlie Frankie and I tracked nine songs um, I finished the guitars on those uh, right uh right before we went to New York, so I don't know sometime end of June something like that. Uh, Frankie is currently in LA tracking bass on those nine songs. Saw him last night with Jay. Right, Here's I've got. Uh, I'm going. I'm going. I'm not going to say where, but I'm going to the studio Friday. Uh, to, since I've had time like a month to live with my guitar tracks, I've heard like lots of things that I think are very cool to kind of add. So, I'm going on Friday and spending a day doing some overdubs. Donay is already working on solos back east at his home studio and uh i am working on lyrics so um i think we're we're well into it let's put it that way um there's going to be another recording session october maybe november charlie's got these two windows uh to get in cuz we have another four or five we want to track and uh we're hoping you know if all, if things just stay on the very loose schedule we have i'd like to think by new you know by christmas new years We'll have most of this wrapped up. Maybe not mixed, but certainly all recorded by then.
2: The last thing would be Joey singing, obviously, right?
5: That'll start. Um, my goal is to have three songs ready uh, for him to start on next month. Oh, okay. And uh, and then from that, Joey, it doesn't take him very long. Once he kind of wraps his head around it and you know, kind of runs it through his filter... Um he he's a fast worker so uh once he starts it doesn't take long it's more i think the onus on me of being happy with the lyrics i'm writing and cuz i actually had like 3 or 4 songs written months ago and then i revisited them like a month ago and i threw them all in the garbage i was like this is this is crap so but i'm in a much better place with that now
2: do you uh direction wise anything you can tell the people listening as to like where it's where it's going is it Pick up kind of like we're for all Kings and, and worship music that you know, that sort of thread.
5: It's um you know, anything you say is what am I gonna it's say the greatest record yeah. we've I ever mean, written. You know, no, I don't mean it's that. Not, it's just... not done yet, so I can't say that I can't say that cliche yet. It's right, not finished. Right, right. <laughs> but uh but um yeah, it's certainly certainly of the nine we've tracked so far and of course the rough kind of uh demos we have of some of the stuff we haven't tracked with drums yet um from a riff point of view it's definitely uh i mean it's riffs with all capital letters like if you were going to write you would write riffs in all capitals with an exclamation point that the riffs are killer it's very riff centric um there's a lot of faster up-tempo material certainly um uh revel what do you 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 love it he's been listening to these songs what do you think of it
4: it's Uh, like uh worship music mixed with sound of white noise
2: uh interesting all right that's an interesting blend
5: no among the living thrown in there
4: you always have to go with the biggest record
2: when you gotta interject that it's always like every kiss record's the next destroyer (laughs)
4: like but uh all the riffs sound a lot like Sound of White Noise to me. Huh. Really? Did you n- realize
5: that, Scott? <laughs> to me, no. I find it's, I think there's an intensity way more so than Sound of White Noise it, it in my brain. But
4: like, songs like Invincible, no, Invisible. Invisible from Invisible, Sound of White Noise, yeah. And This Is Not An Exit. Uh-huh. Some of the songs for the new album remind me of... Those cool. Songs.
5: Those are super uh,
2: heavy. Or room songs. for one more. Uh
4: huh.
2: Uh-huh. Oh, I, I had dinner with John Bush last night. He'd be happy to hear this, I'm sure.
5: Yeah. Uh, I I think it's more, I think the riffs are more intense than Sound of White Noise, but I also am in the band like and the it's the hard vibe for of me it. to. The vibe.
4: It's more groovy.
5: More groovy. All okay.
4: Right. She <laughs> reviewed cool. Scott. There you go. <laughs> Your son keeping you in line. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. It's not like the full thrash like
5: the Right. Well, we're not I mean it's not it's yeah, it's not going to it's definitely not that. Your dad's a lot but, older now than when
2: yeah. he wrote gung-ho. Yeah. You know, it's a different But there is, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, there is, yeah. I, I will say
5: there is a song. I won't say any titles yet, because it's it's still probably a working title. There's definitely one song. It's the fastest thing we've ever done. Uh um, Wait, there's was- another song that we haven't recorded yet that's also in the vein more of a gung-ho or a cotton a mosh. Like, cause Charlie and I talk all the time. I'm like, you know, we need, I said this, I said, we, we still need something that's like a three and a half minute just ripper, you know, like something like that. And then of course, after the fact, then we come up with something like that. And I'm like, hey, I forgot I'm, I'm 60 now. And now I have to play this song <laughs> for the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> just make my life harder.
2: I talk about that all the time with singers, like younger bands that I have in, and they're singing like this crazy stuff. And I'm like, you realize you might be painting yourself into a corner here, man, because in 20, 30 years, oh. you have to figure out, you're going to be talking about tuning down and trying to figure out how you're going to do that.
5: So yeah, like, we just live in the moment. We're very, we're very, we're very blessed to have a singer that yes, actually when he first came back to the band in 2010, we were still playing in E flat, a half step down, From where on the older stuff, the the catalog from the 80s, the original Joey stuff, when John was in the band, we were playing that stuff E-flat instead of E. And then when Joey came back, there was one day we were dicking around at Soundcheck. I think it was on that tour with us and Slayer and Megadeth in like the fall of 2010. I think I was like maybe playing the Medusa riff or something. And uh, I had a guitar that happened to be in standard tuning and Joey started singing and it was like, it, it was like this bright light. Like it just... You know, because I hadn't heard it like that in so long live. And uh, we were all like, wow, that sounds so killer. He's like, yeah, you guys could tune normal. That's how I I sing them, you know, even when I was playing them in my my solo stuff. So we tuned back up and we never looked back, you know, 13 years later. we're, We're still in standard tuning. He's he's Joey's Joey. In my opinion, does not
2: get the credit he deserves for how great he still is. He does as a singer and a frontman. Yeah, I mean, if you saw the 40th anniversary, this the production you guys did, the stage, the video, the ramps. I mean, everything, the set list, every. I mean, I've said this to you before, and I'm not just saying this because you guys are friends. There's very, very few bands that I could honestly, a younger person comes up to me, someone like Revel's age or, or a little older, and says, you know, hey, what's this band Anthrax like? You know, most bands that I would, somebody would approach me about, uh, and, and it had been around 40 plus years, I'd say, oh, yeah, you should have saw them back in the day. You know, uh, you should have saw sure. them, you know, when they were really good, you right. know, and they're, they're kind of mailing it in, or, they're not that good anymore, the singer can't sing, they're too Honestly, with you guys, I mean, I, and I, you know, I've been there since day one. I mean, it's as good as it's ever been. It really is. It's incredible. And a lot of that is, is of course you guys, but also him. The fact sure, that of he, he he still looks from the stage, you know, in the audience, he still looks the same too, which is crazy.
5: Yeah, it's uh, the, I agree. The band is, I mean, the fact that we got Donay on stage, right? Who's you know to me the best lead guitar player we've ever had. So, um, to me, it's it's better live now than it's ever been. I I think yeah, it's you know, incredible. Fra- Frankie's Frankie's ability on stage, his stage presence, his his physicality, his singing, uh, everything about it is you know, it, it's just His energy, Um, I I still look lucky for me. My knees, my back are still, you know, somehow I've kept myself in good enough shape to still be able to jump and move the way I do on stage. And I've always looked at Angus as kind of like my touchstone. I'm like, well, if Angus is still banging his head, that means I've got at least 10 more years. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way about it. Our love for what we do has not waned in any way, shape or form. And, you know, and... On the other side of it, even you know, commercially or whatever word you want to use for it, but you know, things have only gotten better for us in the last fifteen years. We're bigger now than we've been in forever, and uh, you know, because of the, the fans out there coming out to see us. And uh, um, that last run we did with us in Black Label was it was incredible. Yeah. You know, we we're we were looking around at some of these shows. My guitar tech Armando turned around to me before a show one night like in in Western Canada like and he said when did we become an arena band mm. like we we're playing hockey rinks mm. you know like just like, amazing
2: yeah yeah no it was the shows were great and it was a great bill hey, for people it up. I want to join <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody got a security in, in here. Corey Taylor's busting through, crashing in. Won't go to school again. will oh, go, no. Kiss Martin. Oh, no. I, I took it right there. Three seconds he to <laughs>
5: kiss. Here we go. Three
2: seconds. Into, do you know that Corey Taylor is obsessed with the Elder Scott?
1: I know. I know. I know. Listen, I've I've cracked the code. Well, We're going to talk code? about it later. Oh, no. I've, that's, I, I don't know if their code exists, but in my head. There's a code. Like I've gone Illuminatus on this thing, man, and it's really—it's so bizarre.
2: I've read a 500-page book just on the. I Elder. have it, The
1: Odyssey. Yes, I bought it. Of course,
2: Jeez. I did. Because oh, I'm an idiot. We both need help. <laughs> Scott is like me, a massive Kiss fan. Right. Where do you land on the Elder, Scott?
1: Um, there are some good. Get on riffs Mike. On. We can't my, hear you. Corey. My, my, oh, you can hear me.
5: My <laughs> my Kiss window was was 1975 or well, I should say first album through the solo albums okay and uh it was pretty tightly closed after that i will say i i did get the elder back then um when did that come out so the elder
1: was 80 One. right or 81 because 81, that's right okay. cuz unmasked, unmasked was yeah, 80 yeah
5: i was i mean no no it was my, <laughs> no In that that year i mean i was I was full on, you know. By then, it was full on Motorhead right. first maiden. Well, and that
1: makes sense because then you can kind of see it's like, okay, I'm starting. I've I've found hard rock and everything. Now it's like, okay, I need something harder and faster, yeah. right? So yeah, so that but makes. Corey, sense. But Corey,
2: you only came to the Elder recently. This is a, a new revelation. It was for an you, album
1: right? that I'd heard it when I was a kid, and I was like, what in the sh? You know, what what is yeah. this? And then I kind of got away from it, you know. Um, because I was into you know punk and thrash and all that stuff, but then coming back to it later, honestly, after hanging out with all you crazy people, you know, I really <laughs> go Corey's right younger, so back. We,
2: we have to corrupt him I'm a little. That, bit. Well, I'm not
1: that. Well, okay, you not, are. I mean, it's fine. I'll be I'll be fifty this year, so I'm not like young yet. Fifty
2: nine and with less than a week. Well, you look it though. I right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> let me just
5: let me just say this. I, I don't want people to think that, like, I mean, to me, those years of Kiss from like oh, 75 to 78, dude. it still means to me right. exactly the same as it did back then. All these years later, right. I could put on any one of those records and I'm just as excited by it. Like, it, it just, for me, it, it holds, it has such a hold on me. But it was very much that. That time period uh, only. I mean, come on, look, I've got this. Oh, dude, I've got, you got this it. on my yeah, leg. It's crazy. Gene Simmons takes up <laughs> one fourth of my body. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's all I need to say. There's no. I'm a. I'm a card carrying member right. in the Kiss Army. Right. But I am. I am inherently
2: interested in all the bands that I like in the periods where they were kind of unraveling. I find that, in retrospect, really interesting sure. periods. right. Like Aerosmith, Rockin' a Hard Place, Night in the Ruts, oh, period. dude, yeah. Really interesting. Right, um, right, right. You know, for you guys, even for Anthrax, sure. you know, like the Stomp 442 period right. and, you know, that stuff, the, you know, Inside Out and Fueled and uh-huh. all that stuff that was going on, and then the record with Joey N. Bush, I mean, all that stuff to me is really interesting when I look back on people like with Sabbath, there's, you know, Technical Ecstasy, you never Say die. People right. say that's the end. That were horrible right. records. Well, is there some good stuff in There's there? Some so the elder right. is that you know that clump of time for Kiss. Sure, right. In retrospect, but I find it interesting. So you got into it later. You, right. You're like right. sounds so like I've the been same thing. You to, kind
1: of dissected. I've it. been able to go back and listen to it with a certain type type of filter. That it's like I know the history. I know like like, like you that six year period in the '70s. They were bulletproof. Yeah. Man. I mean, they were the greatest. One of the greatest American rock bands, and they really, to me, were the progenitors of modern rock. Uh, I don't want not commercialism, but ma- creating a brand and making that brand what it is. Oh, there, yeah. Nobody had done that before, and they took it and they they wrote the book, they set mm-hmm. the standard for it. But the 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 difference is that the music backed it up. Like, you got, like, even after, you know, you're like, if you got into it as a kid and you were like, oh, my God, they're superheroes, they've got action figures, they've got comic books and whatnot, you could go back and go, man, this music still just 100% smokes, yeah. you know? Like, it's it's that, that's how good they were. But I've been able to go back and listen to some of their stuff. A lot of the stuff in the 80s, actually, you listen to it like they—they they catch the a Jericho lot of heat, era, as I call it. The, they catch a lot of heat, <laughs> but technically speaking, some of those riffs are really, really good, man. Yeah, like, no, I like. It's a lot. Really I, was, good I stuff. was
2: there through two thousand. I mean, right. I'm, I'm everything. Carnival of Souls, everything. Oh, dude,
1: Carnival of Souls is oh, as the, dark the as hell. Tracker, if you didn't yeah. know it was Kiss, you'd be like, "What the yeah. hell is this?"
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm I. I'm in on all of it. Right. Um, we could easily eat up the remainder of this show. <laughs> we should probably we sell should stuff probably, that we have. We probably yes. <laughs> should sell Corey's record, even that, though he was on not long ago right. for the first song when when we did we had uh, uh, we had some fun in, in my Vegas place. Right. Um, there's now another track right. that has come out. Right. Uh, the album is inching closer. September fifteenth. Yeah, man. For CMF two. Yeah. And uh, the new song, post traumatic blues, right. which With Scott Ian sitting here, I must say, riffage wise, tone feels a little Anthraxish to me. Very,
1: very. (laughs) I mean, when I was writing that, like you could almost feel the Anthrax coming out. I mean, it's got. I mean, they're one of my biggest influences as well. You know, so this is really like a chance for me to kind of show that and share it with the with the audience. I mean, nobody has really ever been able to like not only just like drop in crazy breakdowns and stuff but i mean just tear through songs and then give people that extra punch like anthrax did man like they were just they were some of the best at it so there's definitely an anthrax like influence on this song for me especially when i was writing it and then the way we put the the layers on it on top as well really has really inspired by by scott and company
2: yeah i yeah. mean have you awesome. heard it scott
1: yes and, yeah and and yes.
2: are you going to go after him for publishing or
1: i've already got calls in we're fine
2: i'm
5: going to call my lawyer and uh-
2: <laughs> speaking of kiss <laughs> No, no, it's killer. I mean, it's really killer. And uh, the album, again, is on September 15th. And, you know, the guy who produced the record, who produces right. Anthrax and 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 your solo records, our good friend Jay, Mr. Rustin, Rustin yes. at dinner with them last night, and I, uh, he said to me, he goes, you haven't heard the whole record yet? And I go, no. He goes, um, he goes it's heavy. He goes, yeah. it's heavy. So was uh-huh. it a conscious thing for you, Corey, to go heavier from the first record
1: i mean a little bit you know i mean the thing that we noticed when we took this out on the road you know because we were one of the first bands to kind of go back out on the road after you know the lockdown and and quarantine and we were doing the like the pod shows and whatnot We <laughs> yeah, was bubbles, so like weird. the flaming
2: lips dude corey but was we there. were
1: so stoked you know i mean it was just it was just it felt so good to be out on the road again that we didn't even care you know it just felt good to be playing in front of an audience the thing that we noticed was that Everything really kind of fit together. Like, you know, all this stuff from the first album really fit in context with like Slipknot stuff, Stone Sour stuff, the covers we were playing, the acoustic stuff. So I was like, man, okay, this, we're going to use this as the starting point, but now going forward, this is where we're going. This is where we came from. This is where we're going. So when I, I really took my time putting together and writing everything for this album, and deciding what was going to make it and what wasn't. Because I mean, I had 30 songs to pick from and we walked in with 26, if you include the covers that we did. And we had 18 originals that I was like, okay, these are the ones that we're going to really try and concentrate on. And then we pared that down to 13 and we kind of went with that, you know? So I wanted to make sure that Everything that I've done in my career was represented, the heavy stuff, the the hard rock stuff, the punk stuff, the, I mean, just everything, you know, the the acoustic stuff. I wanted to make sure that when people heard it, they got everything that they would want from a Corey Taylor album. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, judging from the two tracks, they're killer and, uh, I you know I, I love that there's still melody in it too, right. which is what I always gravitate towards, and I know that's yeah. important. Did you learn? So it sounds like you also picked up on a lot of this touring the first record, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. you got that mixing in stuff from the rest of your catalog. Right. You kind of figured out what that balance was going to
1: be for this record. And you know, I mean, credit to my wife and actually the guys in the band as well. Man, they were like, "You need to give people a little more," you know, because I was I was reticent to to dip too much into Slipknot and Stone Sour. But they were like, dude, you helped do that. You know, like, get you know, if people want to, you know, there's certain songs that maybe you never get to play. Like, we're playing Snuff now with Slipknot. But before that, you know, we weren't playing it. So it was like people wanted to hear that, you know, people wanted to see it. Like, they wanted stuff that kind of fit together like that. So I really kind of cherry-picked everything and, and made it a great representation. And I think that really led to the album having that kind of reflection where it's still very diverse. It's still, I mean, there's so many boundaries that we're crossing and and kind of trying to push, but at the same time, it feels like something that I would have put out in retrospect with, you know, with stone sour on one side and slipknot on the other.
2: Yeah. The other, the thing I love about, uh, the latest song, post-traumatic blues, which you can hear online right now is, um, the guitar trade off, yeah, like which is Zach and Christian, Zach, right? Yeah, Trading Zach off, and that's killer. Like, I love dual guitar stuff, I love trade off stuff. Yeah. and Matt, Scott, with you guys, I mean, I know John plays the bulk of the leads, but you guys will do some harmony stuff here and there. But
5: oh, yeah, you ever totally. feel
2: like you ever have a desire to play more leads? Like, could you ever do like a, tr- a full trade off thing like
5: that? Um. Yeah, but it would have to be more in the context of let's say the hard rock world. Like uh like I could I could handle Ace Freely level right licks right. or let's say Joe and Brad level, like that stuff. If you're talking about, you know, once you get into the metal or shredding type of it's just not my forte. Right. Like
4: you can do like Angus sometimes, right? Yeah.
5: Or, I mean, Or you I'm, could bring Revel out and he yes. could be the third guitar right, player. <laughs> I I am much more if I if I put my mind to it, I uh, I could play lead guitar in a hard rock, let's say, you know. Well, you
1: did in Motor Sister a little bit, right? You know, a little. That, but yeah, the stuff that we've done on the side as well. You've you, I mean, you've handled a lot sure. of shit really good. If I yeah. if
5: I really, but you know, it would also mean like you know, I have to put in a lot of work, and who's got the time? I'm not going to, at 60, right, decide, right. I'm the lead guitar player now. <laughs> What's your goal for 60? I'm going to be the next Nuno. Yeah, like, there you go. I mean-
2: what, what is, but, Scott, was that, like you already said, Angus was your guy. Yeah. Was, did, did that all trickle down from Angus, that your thing was going to be, you're just going to be the master of the rhythm and the riff and just knock it no, out?
5: No, to- Tony and Malcolm. Right, that was it. Because even though I own, I owe me. Of I course, I mean Ma- Malcolm. I meant yeah, to say Malcolm, know, not I, Angus. Right, I'm sorry. Right. Of course, Malcolm. Even yeah. though, even though Tony was the only guy in Black Sabbath playing guitar, he was doing both. But just for me, the riffs and his right, ha- left hand. Sorry, oh dude, um, yeah. with the finger cots you, on. Just yeah, yeah, and the just the way he picked and the way he played riffs and, and all that. And as a kid, when you're, for me, sitting in my room learning how to play guitar, learning how to learning songs with a turntable, slowed down to 16, right? you know, to learn how to play parts. It was just easier to learn a whole album's worth of chords. Uh, it, it would take, to try and learn a solo would take days. Right. Whereas I could have all the chords done and go, look, I could play all these songs. And for me, it was just a case of like, I'd rather sit and learn, learn the songs, learn the chords than spend all that time woodshedding and learning how to play the lead breaks where some of my friends were doing that too right so i was like all right you play the leads i'll play the chords were you totally self-taught scott i had lessons the first few months just long enough so my guitar teacher could tell my parents he's taking it seriously you could get him an electric guitar it's not going to sit in the corner and collect dust because i had some crappy acoustic right and as soon as they got me Te- I got a Telecaster Deluxe, and as soon as I got that, I said, "I don't want to take lessons anymore." Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, "What?" And I'm like, "No, no, no! I just I want to learn on my own. I don't I don't need this right. guy to like." And that was it. Now, Corey, you're knocking out guitar too in this yeah. band. So at times, there's it's
2: a it's an Outlaws esque three guitar. It's assault. awesome, yeah, Molly yeah. Hot yeah. level Iron Maiden. Iron That's Maiden. Right. Well, yeah. in my in my in my opinion. What? <laughs> yeah, you know, I can say it. you don't have to say it. <laughs> Iron Maiden doesn't need three guitars, but that's all I'm going to say. The, 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 the Dancing with the Stars guy can, you know, yeah, don't,
4: uh, don't get just, me started. It's
1: just
2: a little much. <laughs> Not, I'm sure he's quite no, talented No, 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 but y- it, yeah, no, it's fancy. But um, you, you, and uh, your solo thing doing three guitars. Right. I mean uh, what wh- what is your prowess as a guitar player? I never really knew.
1: I'm pr- I mean I'm kind of on the same wavelength with Scott, you know. I mean, a lot of people don't realize when I first started Stone Sour, I I everything I kind of have done in the past has been out of necessity. When when I first started kind of doing bands, I was always either the drummer or the singer because I was always better than both people that we usually had on one or the other and I kind of had to you know, get off the pot at some point, you know, and, and figure it out. So I was like, look, I just want to be the singer. And then, were you always the
2: singer? Did you discover you were a singer? No, I always
1: knew I was a singer, but I didn't realize that I wanted to be the singer until later, until I was with a couple of outfits that just, the singer was bad. And I was like, no, I don't know. And I was doing backups and I was like, I was like, why am I doing backups? He sounds horrible. (laughs) This is how do I harmonize to a vacuum cleaner for God's (laughs) sakes? You know, it's not working. Um, but I learned guitar out of necessity because I wanted to write songs, you know, and then I found myself dipping my toe into lead and then becoming the lead player for stone sour when we first got together because, none of the lead players that we found were actually really that good. So, and this is back like 92, like really, really early. Um, but then again, I was like, you know what? I just want to sing. I I don't want to really play lead and and guitar anymore. So that's kind of where I stopped because I enjoyed playing rhythm more, to be honest. Like I just, I, there's more to me again, to me, there's more passion in, bashing out a riff and throwing yourself into playing it live especially when you're on stage then i get from sitting down and really having to concentrate because to me i can't just rip it off like you know guys like vi or fraley you know where they're just, it's just so easy for them i really have to yeah you know, i'm watch i'm 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 necking the whole time like and i do a solo i do the solo on beyond man and i i get so nervous before that solo, that I'm just like, okay, don't don't butcher it, don't butcher, I butcher it, I'm it. Oh, damn it, I butcher it, and just and then I'm just ruined for the whole show. Well, that answers so, my question. So yeah. on your solo records, you're yeah. playing guitar. I did, yeah, yeah. I'm playing uh, most of the rhythm. Um, there's a couple songs that I don't, uh, but for the most part, even when we were recording it, I would play rhythm, so we would have that kind of collision of guitars going going in because we recorded almost everything live so instead of doing like a ton of like overdubs and stuff we just got it in one spot you know we mic'd a bunch of different amps so we had different tones to play with but then we tracked it together as you know so we would get that live sound you know
2: scott didn't you when Corey was making the record in vegas didn't you guys roll through there yeah we did you visited the studio frank
1: revel and i and frankie
5: came by yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah and uh you know, I'm thinking like, you know, the, the other thing I always think of when I think of singers, like, of course, people think of you as a singer predominantly, right. Corey, but I've talked to so many singers who actually just kind of stumbled into being the singer frontman, right. didn't really intend to do that. A guy that always immediately comes to mind, it blows my mind that he's like kind of a reluctant singer frontman is Miles Kennedy right miles trip is totally guitar playing yeah like like both tremonti and slash have said to me that guy's as good or better than me yeah and people don't realize it and (laughs) slash he doesn't barely play guitar right but um so it's kind of interesting like you know miles like i just got this voice people want me to sing yeah but it's like his trip is he's a total guitar nerd right which he just uh, scott can you sing? i mean i know you'd shout some backing vocals on Anthrax, but could you sing lead vocal on any have you ever
5: Well, if like cover songs like Protestants Survive from Discharge, or I mean, (laughs) I'm yelling. Yeah. Um, But uh, I am, I can, I can sing. I can. And it's something I don't practice enough. Um, But when the time comes and I actually do need to do something that isn't just shouting, Um, yeah, I I can. There's a, my 60th is coming up the end of the year. And part of that's going to be a big, Concert at, at, and which Corey's involved in and revel and yeah. you will invites are going out soon anyway. Um, and there's a few things on the set list. Cause it's kind of like a chronological history of everything I loved since I was a little kid. And of course picking one song from each band is like impossible. Right. But uh, um, there are a few things where I'm going to actually have to sing on not whole songs, but backup parts that I just really love where it's people actually singing and uh, I'm gonna try it, not just on the night. Like I'm gonna Wait. work up to it, and hopefully be able to actually do it. That's like awesome. "Hey Bulldog" from the Beatles is. Oh,
1: dude! I, yeah, I man. picked
5: that song, and I want to sing. I want to sing Lennon's parts, like, and I'm gonna. I, That's a tricky I mean, tune. Yeah, too, yeah. Why not go for it at you sixty? What do you got me, to lose? You know, I mean, Zero. That whole part,
2: I'm gonna right. sing
5: that. Revel has a question
2: you're
4: for you. Elton John, you're singing an Elton John song, right, with mom?
5: Yeah, Pearl and I are gonna duet on uh, uh, "Don't Go Breaking My Heart."
2: Ah, oh, uh, that's, that's rad. That's, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and by the way, your birthday, for those that don't know, is New Year's Eve, right? right yes. Right. So it's a New Year's Eve slash it's, it's your birthday party. Obviously, it's a big one. Sixty. Yes. Mm-hmm. You got a year on me there, but uh, that's huge. You know. And and obviously it's happens are you actually gonna do it on New Year's Eve? Yes. Actually on your birthday. Yes. All right. All right. Very cool. Um and Corey, you got shows coming up.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
2: With with is, is Slipknot are you still doing Slipknot stuff? We've, is only it still got, dates? we've
1: only got a couple of shows left this year, right? We're doing the Blue Ridge Festival. I'm actually doing it with both, to be honest. I'm doing Blue Ridge not the one same night. Day. No, not <laughs> the same day. No, check this out because it, it was added in the middle. And I just, I looked at the schedule and I, oh my God, how am I going to do this? So I play in Cleveland on the night before Slipknot plays Blue Ridge. I then get on a flight. I fly in. I do, the next day I do Blue Ridge. The next day I fly in to Cincy and play with CMFT And then I do Blue Ridge again. Back to Blue Ridge. Yes. Oh, my God. I am going to die. Like, I'm (laughs) not, I'm not, I don't know. When is this? How far away is this? This is in August. This is uh, the first week of September. So, I just worry
2: about the heat factor oh, if it's oh, I'm not something outside. Listen, I've
1: been killing myself in a mask for years. <laughs> yeah. I'll be fine, <laughs> you know? I only have to do one of those nights in a mask. I, I, I'll be okay, but I'm like sitting here going, oh my God, That's I'm intense. 49. How am I going to do That's this? That's got
2: to be great, though, for you with your solo thing above the other benefits of it. To be able to go out there, and just you know, throw well, on well, I mean, jeans, oh, shorts, dude, it's whatever. the best.
1: But the you know, the crazy thing is, is I've injured myself just as many times doing Stone Sour and solo stuff as I have with with Slipknot. Man, it's like I I tore the muscle off my calf at the first song at Carolina Rebellion in uh 2018. The first song, I stepped on stage with with Stone Sour, and I went, "How's everybody going?" And I ran, and it just went, Poof. Oh. and I and I I thought somebody shot me in the leg, right. dude. It was crazy, oh. and I yeah, I mean they were like, I mean, "There's nothing we can do. It's just going to heal itself." But you know, and I mean, I had a bruise that went all the way down. I had to walk with a cane. I, it was crazy, dude. And I was just like, I'm stumbling around going, I look cool, don't I? <laughs> I, but I finished the show. Like, I mean, the, what are you going to do, you know?
2: Yeah, well, you got to, you got uh, to, the, the, you basically are going to really start here. Uh, Slipknot's going to kind of start moving to the back now because you're really going to start going out with the solo with, with stuff. With CMFT, yeah. yeah because because yeah. um, I know I host Rockle Home every year. I think you're on that with your yeah, yeah. With CMFT. The,
1: the tour starts August 25th uh, in Denver. And we go till October seventh, actually, which is uh, aftershock. So it's the day after my anniversary.
2: And now, and now that you have two albums with this group and yeah. uh, to to pull from, mm-hmm. are you still going to do the same amount of stuff from whether it be oh, Slip yeah. or Stone Salary, so Sorry, still going to spike
1: that in? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and the cool thing is that I can kind of move stuff around and. And pull stuff out and put in stuff that maybe I haven't played in a while, you know, which would be really cool. Because, I mean, obviously there's there's the usual suspects like Father and Through Glass that people want to hear. And I've been really trying to keep it through the stuff that either I wrote or I co-wrote with, you know, with with both bands. Um, but there's also some stuff that people, you know, that I haven't played in years that a lot of people like want to hear. So I'm thinking about throwing Tumult back in the set, which is something that I wrote years ago with one of our old old guitar players from Stone Sour and it's it's a, it's a great it was a great closer and people just really want to hear us play it again so I'm 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 bringing it back
5: there's going to be the elder in full
1: set. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I told now, him he should start. Throne? He should play
2: fanfare over dude, the PA. No, you don't. And that
1: should be the intro. Y- you have no idea, dude. We every. Did you cover an elder song? Because you said you did covers. You won't. Tell we've him. talked about it. well, yeah, we well just a we've boy. not we've not, not, we not covered we've not covered an elder song. Let's you put it that it. way. No, but Mr. Blackwell, I could hear you doing. That. <laughs> oh God, no, because I. <laughs> I could hear you doing that big time. You know, we keep talking about oh god damn it. What's uh it's not uh, it's not Odyssey, it's the it's the heavy one. The oath, The, the, oath. the oath. So But that
2: would be the expected
1: Every one. time we get in a room together, me, Throne, and Tooch, we just immediately Great start riff. playing. <speaking in> <speaking in> <speaking in> and it sounds rad, but we can't get Dustin to play. <speaking in> He's just like, nah. Nope. No, no, and you got to no. do
2: that falsetto-y <laughs> voice he sings that whole song
1: in. It's tough, dude. Yeah. I, I'd have to open with that because once I start screaming, the falsetto goes away. It's Yeah. yeah I mean, it's crazy, though.
2: Hey, Scott, <laughs> do you, is there any anthrax stuff? Anything you – because we're going to do a quick break, and we'll come back. We'll finish up and let people call in uh, and talk to you guys. Uh-huh. Uh, is there anything you want to you know push out before we go to the break and talk to the callers? Is, are, you got other stuff going on. I mean, uh, are you? is there anything going on with, like, Motor Sister? I know you were doing stuff with Pearl. She was sure. playing some shows. Anything yeah, you want to hit?
5: Played, uh, she's got a duet with Cody Jinks that uh, they did two songs together, actually, that's coming out on Cody's record oh, cool. later this year. I can't really talk about too much of that now, but it's pretty f- freaking cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going. Uh, we have Bungle dates yeah. next month. Oh, you play with Mr. Bungle too? Woo! I forgot about yeah, that. I yeah, I got. We have uh, East Coast, um, East Coast dates, and then like up to Montreal, Toronto, Detroit, Chicago. We finish at Riot Fest in oh, Chicago. Dude, that'll be sick. So, yeah, we finally get back and play a bunch of cities that Bungle hasn't been to in 20-something right. years. Um, so those would be fun. You could just find Mr. Bungle on Instagram or the Ipecac website to check that out. And, uh, yeah, making an Anthrax record. My my focus is really uh, um, really getting the lyrics done on this Anthrax record and, uh, and, like I said earlier, hopefully getting all the recording wrapped up by the end of the year. Nice. So, you know, with an expectation that we would have – have an album out for next summer. You know, probably songs before that, but right. the full thing come out at, at some point, you know, next summer. So no anthrax shows at all on the books until that's done? Um there's stuff that's not confirmed yet, right. but but there will be, I think, stuff before that, yes.
2: And the last thing for each of you, because I haven't yet, but I and I'm pretty sure Rocklahoma will be the first time I do, but I've not seen uh, what I call Pantera 2.0 with Charlie and Zach that's I out there right now. It. Oh, yeah. you yes. both seen it? Oh, yeah. yeah. And your thoughts, yeah. Scott? Yeah, it was yeah, great.
5: We, we actually saw it. At, uh, Bungle played on Notfest yeah. in Chile, and uh, Pantera was on that as well, albeit without Rex, because that's when Rex got COVID, right here, COVID. And they, they sent him home. But uh, still, it, it, still, 40,000 people in a stadium in Santiago, and... Uh, getting to hear those songs. And I would say a large percentage of that crowd had never gotten to see Pantera
1: because
5: of the looking out at the age of the, of the audience. And, uh, yeah, uh, just a mind blowing moment. Just uh, so much. And it emotion. was without
2: Rex. Did you yeah, have you right. seen
5: him with Rex? Yes, so I haven't seen it with Rex.
1: I saw it at Grass Pop. Wow. So because they were on right before us at Grass Pop, um, this just this year, right? And I hadn't seen him because I we were flying in and out, so I didn't get to see them on that run, that uh-huh. South American run, right? And dude, me and Alicia ran out to the front of house, and I didn't even care. I was like, I'm I'm watching this, yeah, yeah. you know. And I was so stoked. And my expectations were really high, dude. And they sounded incredible. Like, I was so stoked. There's probably a bunch of fan shot video of me singing along and jumping around like an idiot. (laughs) I was so stoked. And they sounded so great, dude. Phil looks great. He's having a great time. I was just, you know, we all know the story. And to see them get up there. And to feel that positive energy that hasn't been felt around that in yeah. so long, dude. It, I, I mean, I, I got really, I'm starting to get emotional about it now. I mean, it just felt really good to see our buddies up there. On, and, 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 and this is absolute honesty, really doing justice. I mean, it sounds really, really good.
2: Yeah. I, you know, speaking of Miles Kennedy, um, he, about a month ago, had a text from him. And he's like, dude, I just had to text you. I go, what's up? He goes, I'm still, I don't, some festival in Europe somewhere. He's like, right. I'm standing on the, he goes, Alter Bridge just played. He goes, and I'm standing on the side of the stage. He goes, and I'm watching Pantera. Right. He goes, and I am like speechless at how amazing this is. Awesome. He yeah. goes, and I just had to text somebody and I had to text yeah. you. And I was like, well, I haven't seen it yet, that but works. I'm glad you did. He's like, right. dude. And that's the, I go, enjoy and we'll talk. He's I like, talked
5: to, uh, I talked to Rex a couple of weeks ago and, and, uh, you know, Corey mentioned positive energy, and and uh, the con- even the short conversation we had on the phone was um, I hadn't heard him like that in a long time. He's so happy. Yeah. He's feeling so good physically, mentally, everything. And, Just uh, he's-
4: on the last tour, when you played Albuquerque, he, he came up and played – Songs that's right in february uh, yeah, he yeah. came
5: out he came out to the show and he where in albuquerque he came to the show does and he, he got live
2: up. in new mexico now yeah, I heard yes. that right.
5: Yeah, and he got up and did only with us. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, At the Albuquerque show. Wow! Really? Show. Yeah. Oh. We asked him, "What do you want?" He's like, "Oh, I'm coming to the show. Let's do something like old days." And we said, "What do you want to play?" He goes, "I want to fucking do only, man." And like, <laughs> we we're like, "Yes!" Was, and you guys were doing huge. that. That was the yeah. one
2: Bush era song you were yeah. doing, yeah. Right. and it was in, it was huge. It was
5: great. It was so great to see him. He's just in a really, really good place. Really positive. Yeah, was, there's a really good feeling around the whole thing. I'm so happy for Charlie. I feel like even though I've been in a band with Charlie since 1983, and you talked earlier about Joey not getting credit. Charlie's another guy. All these decades, I feel like he's never really gotten the credit of what that guy is as a as a drummer, as a songwriter, as a musician, as yeah. a person, and I'm so glad people are really getting to see him in this light. Yeah, right. yeah.
2: Awesome.
4: And uh, another cool thing about that show was uh, Rex was there. And he uh, was backstage, and one of his guitars was backstage, and I was playing Pantera riffs. Oh yeah! And Rex was like,
1: uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: "Rex was blown right <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I have to get into it with Rex. Football season starting soon, so oh, he and I go out with Giants and Cowboys. So yeah. I'm going oh, to dig in with Rex at that point, hopefully. Right.
0: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
1: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi,
3: Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom.
1: If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.
0: Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? few minutes left here on a Wednesday,
2: live from Los Angeles with Corey Taylor in studio. Again, the new album, His second with uh, his solo project, CMF2, is out everywhere September 15th. You can do all the pre-order stuff if you'd like. Uh, Two singles out now, Beyond and Post Traumatic Blues, both with videos that you can see on YouTube. You're going to hit with the third song before it hits?
1: uh... Talking about it, yeah. Um, We're trying to figure out which one it's going to be. There's a couple of... uh a couple of ones that are really kind of in contention. I know that the UK wants to drop one specifically for them this month. So we're kind of talking about that. But uh, right now, yeah, we're just kind of still trying to figure out what the next move is going to be. But I mean... Which is great because Beyond still is climbing, like, it's doing really well. It just cracked the top 10 on uh, Active Rock. Yeah, oh, which very is cool. crazy. Yeah, man, we're really stoked.
2: And we talked about, when you were on From My Place in Vegas, the video. because Because right. you, you did that that Abandoned Water Park, yeah. and we talked about all that. If you guys missed that conversation, it's on the app. You can go listen to it, but we had a great talk about uh, the video. You go, do you have another video done? Yeah, for yet. another that, song, you well, haven't shot anything yet.
1: We do, but we I can't talk about it. But you did um, shoot another video for yeah. a song. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. got that coming. Yeah,
2: okay. And um, the other thing during the commercial break before we grab a couple calls, uh, which I admit I'm not well versed in this area, but the whole horror thing and right. the monsters and all that, you you have your own horror convention.
1: Is that I what have you're well, saying? not only that, but I have my own brand. Uh, I bought. Uh, the legacy horror brand, uh, famous monsters of filmland, which anybody you know, me and Scott, obviously, we grew up reading it. Um, it was started by uh, Forrest Ackerman back in the fifties. It was the first real horror magazine dedicated to the fandom and to to really celebrating everything, but not only in front of the camera, but behind the scenes. You know, it was like really big on that. And I was uh, me and my partner Eben were able to buy that. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, It's uh, I didn't know what
2: it was, but Scott was like, as soon as you see the yeah, logo, you'll exactly, recognize it. I yeah. just did. He showed it to um, me song, It's yeah.
1: inspired so many people in so many different you know walks of life and genres and whatnot. And uh, it's, we were able to kind of pick it up, and we're really going to launch it and kind of re you know basically re you know set it into to orbit again. Um, and we're doing our first Famous Monsters Convention October thirteenth to fifteenth um and uh Scott's gonna be there I'm gonna be there uh the Osborns are gonna be there it's gonna be where is this this is it where's king of Prussia
5: Pennsylvania That's okay it. yeah right. our, outside
1: of Philly which is kind of our it's our homage to uh you know everything out of Penn State, you know, obviously Romero did a lot of his stuff outside of Pittsburgh and whatnot. Savini still lives there, like it's kind of like the heartbeat of to us of of horror, you know. So it's it's going to be when you really say cool. the
2: Osbournes are doing your thing. Ozzy is going to, to show as yep. well. Yep. Wow. Yes. Oh, yeah. Cool. And that's
1: I mean we're we're really really uh, honored to have them. I mean when this was something that we really wanted to make special, and you know Sharon, Ozzy, and and Jack, I mean they were all really really stoked. Uh, I I'm I think Sid and and Kelly are gonna be there as well, but don't quote me on that. Oh, Obviously okay. they just had their baby, so um uh, but it's gonna be a big, big old family reunion, man. Wow. I mean, we're stoked. Oh, wow. all right, yeah. cool.
5: You just uh, mentioned Pittsburgh. I forgot I'm gonna be at the Steel City uh, Oh yeah, dude. S- Steel City Con in Monroeville, yep. Pennsylvania, right outside of Pittsburgh on the uh, August eleventh. 12th and 13th, and that's where they film The uh, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. And yeah. That's where George Romero is from and Tom Savini and Greg Nicotero and all those cats.
1: That's a really good one, too, because I've done it. I did it last year. Cool. It's a really cool one.
5: All-time favorite horror movie, Scott? Uh, oh God, it's either the... I'll just say The Exorcist.
1: Oh, yeah, there you go. Corey? Uh, Halloween,
5: 78. Halloween, 78.
2: Mm-hmm. All-time favorite Kiss record, Scott?
5: Uh, Dressed to Kill. Really? Yes. I mean, I love the songs really? on that. Not but I Well, didn't... not counting the live albums. Otherwise, right. I'll oh, say. Okay. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Dress right. to kill.
2: Wow, I didn't. I mean, great. I mean, yeah. like, but I didn't. You don't hear that that often.
1: It's true. Corey, Love Gun, actually. Really? Yeah. Also yeah. interesting. What's yours? Rock, rock and, and roll, roll over. over. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that. Right. By
2: a hair. I mean, they're all great. I mean, yeah. it's first six and um, impossible.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. there's really no wrong answer on man. the first six. Yeah. No,
2: but rock and roll over is just the. It's so raw. It's great. And it's just it it's that, you know, where Destroyer was so polished and I think Love I think Love Gun look gets looked past a little bit. I think it's a much better record than for whatever reason it kind of gets glossed over. But right, uh, I don't know. Rock and roll over is just where every element of what was KISS live sure. and right. raw and came from. People forget that I didn't I didn't even realize this because uh, Rock and Roll Over was the new album when I got into Kiss okay, at 12. Okay, But I bought Destroyer first. Right. But I didn't realize this until I read some books. There was a lot of backlash to Destroyer yeah. after it came out when it was new. Of because of the Because it was so... Yeah. Polished and yeah. orchestrated, and where is this you know band coming off of a live? Like, what is this? Right. So that rock and roll over was actually a reaction to that. That even though Destroyer was successful, right. Remember the biggest song on it was a a ballad yeah. without even anybody on it. Right. But
1: then you look at Great Expectations, which is such a left turn. Like it's even more yeah. like weird than Beth. Yeah, you know? I love that. I mean, I love that. It's right. a yeah.
2: no, no doubt. But it's like you could see how in that moment. If if KISS finally breaks off of Alive Right. And now, okay, here comes that studio record and right. you get that. You're like, wait a minute. So they were like freaked out, like and the, and it was like, Well, we better get back to doing basically a live in the studio record, right. which is what rock and roll over was. Right. It was done live in a theater, basically. Right. Anyway, again, we could go to. Yeah, yeah. yeah dude. We, we will do a whole week of KISS. Anybody want to ask
1: qu- uh, KISS cat questions, uh, Cassan- call into the trunk line. <laughs> Cassandra
2: now. in New York has been waiting for a long time. Cassandra, you're on with Corey Taylor and Scott Ian.
3: Hi, everyone. Thanks again Bye. for taking the for- oh, I appreciate it. Love the show. Listen, I have questions Thank you. for Corey. Uh, you're so uh-huh. welcome. But I just wanted to say to Scott, listen, I saw Anthrax with BLS at the Fillmore in Charlotte last August. And that was an awesome version of the song "Keeping in the Family" that you guys did. Really enjoyed the show. You killed it. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys again next time you come through New York. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, Corey, (laughs) you're so very welcome. Um, Listen, I'm a I'm a huge fan. I've seen all three of your bands perform, and I've seen the Cherry Bombs. Let me tell you, your wife kills it. She does a phenomenal job. And we have Smoke Shack. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm so psyched to see that. Jesus, I can't wait. Uh, my birthday is, like, the same time. But, listen, I teach in Westchester County, New York, and my classroom is decorated with flip decor, and I play music oh, nice. from all three of your bands to my students, and they love it. I even wear the T-shirts to school. Thank God my principal is lenient with that. But, um, listen, here are my two, here are my questions for you. One, okay. I just wanted to know, who is your favorite artist to collaborate with and why? Um, and maybe, you know, who might you like to, to work with in the future? And finally, like, are there any future plans for Stone Sour?
1: Okay. I'm going to answer the first, well, I'll answer the second one first. There are okay. currently no, no plans to work with Stone Sour right now. Um, that's kind okay. of on in, indefinite hold for a while. Um, but the answer, to the first, uh, the first part of your question. My favorite person. I mean, I've been really, ha- like, stoked and privileged to work with a lot of great people. Um, so I kind of have to. I always go. My standby is always to go with the first, which was Max. Uh, being on the first soul or the second Soulfly album was a treat because Max Cavalera. Yeah, Max Cavalera, and we did uh uh jump the fuck up together, and. I mean I wasn't anybody yet, you know? Like I was it was just me and I was just a fan and I'm standing next to Max and we're making a song together. <laughs> and to this day, I mean he was so gracious, everybody was really really cool and uh I get to hang I got to hang out with this psychopath Toby Wright who was producing it at the time and we just had a blast, man. And then then and then I went and played the show in Phoenix cuz we were in Phoenix. At the celebrity, at the that that sure, show in, in the, the round. round, and it was yeah. such a famous theater, and it's just one of my favorite days that I ever had. At as we were first starting out, um, so that's the one I always kind of go to. As far as people, I would love to collaborate with. I mean, I have a list as longer than my body, for God's sakes. I mean, it, it's I mean, any everybody from I mean, I'd love to do something with Jelly Roll, who's a, a newer artist, uh, and he's really really cool. Uh, but I'd also love to do something with, you know, the gentleman sitting in this room with me, man. I'd, I'd love to do something with Anthrax someday, like yes. do a tune together. Well, you
2: almost joined them. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, and You're and
1: almost in the band. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why I would love to do at least one song. Like, I feel like that would be full circle, man. Yes. Like, I think it'd be kill- just to be able to be, be on a tune with you guys and then singing with Joey would be sick. Yeah. I, I, that's So that's my, that's that's my uh, you know, truncated Ah, Let's see what, see what you I did? Yeah, truncated did. list. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: couple of, just a few more minutes before we have to end. Here is Charles in West Virginia. Go ahead, Charles. You're on the air. Hey, guys. Thanks for all you do. Uh, questions
5: for Scott. Hey, uh, yes. I know no one wants to mess up the dynamic and Anthrax now. We
3: all love what you're doing, but I might have had this question answered with his exclusion from that 40th anniversary, uh, um, I guess, uh, web, uh, webcast, whatever, the, the big thing you did on the web, there, which is awesome. But is there could there ever be a possible tour where you guys do a headline and one of the openers, like maybe one or two bands, one of the bands be Armory Saints and then bring Bush out for like, you know, do only and then Joey and Bush do uh Ball of Confusion and then come back out with just Joey. Is there ever a possibility? That'd be awesome.
2: Um maybe. It's an interesting idea. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I get where he's going with so the crossover awesome. there, and 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 Armored Saint doing their own thing before, and of course there was the one record where they both sang on. Yeah, uh,
5: my answer for that is we all we're all friends. We yeah. all get along really well. Um, you know, and uh maybe maybe that'll happen for our fiftieth, which oddly enough is only eight years away. (laughs) Star's gonna be
2: seventy years old.
5: My my answer is uh my answer is hey, it's it's not outside the realms of possibility. Someday it's not gonna happen next year. Yeah. But uh who knows. (laughs) There you go, Charles.
2: Uh here's Derek in Tennessee. Go ahead, Derek. Hey, how are you doing?
1: Um oh, there he hey is. real
2: quick, almost out of time. go ahead, all right, yeah, I'll be quick uh one uh scott uh I've skated your skateboard decks for years
1: i'm forty six years old, I still skateboard and I've been a professional cool. drummer for many years. I'm on the road all the time
2: uh, uh man i I love all your music now thank you uh my 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 question is where and how or when will we get the, uh, the acoustic of the Live in London or your acoustic stuff? Huh? Who are oh, you talking I, to? You're talking, you're talking to, to Corey, oh, Corey. right? It's uh, Scott's like, well, acoustics.
5: like, what? <laughs> did like I, what? Did I miss a couple of years of my life?
1: <laughs> that one's for Corey. Go ahead. <laughs> Corey on
5: the acoustic stuff, yeah.
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, actually, it's funny you bring that up. I've actually been talking to my new label, uh, BMG about actually re- releasing that. Um, it's something I've been trying to do for a while. Um, it's, you can find it on YouTube. You can find the whole thing out there. It's online. Um, but yeah, it, it's looking like, uh, we're going to be able to, to release that on, uh, probably on Decibel Cooper.
2: Which is the name of the label? You're yeah, doing. that's
1: my yeah, that's my imprint, Decibel Cooper. Are you recordings. going to
2: put out bands on there too? I'm thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, I, I uh, your son's in a band. Are you going to
1: put yeah. Well, he, I mean, they've got so much momentum going on right now, and they're doing their own thing. That like I wouldn't want. It's hard enough having to live under the shadow of me and Slipknot and and all of that stuff. If I, you know, right, I and it. with the whole thing about Nepo babies and yeah, all that yeah, weirdness, yeah. like, I like the fact that they're doing it on their own, we've made yeah. them do it on their own. Um, I would never want to kind of, you know, push them forward while also holding one of their legs, you know? Right, like, right. I would never want to do that.
2: Revel's ready to take over the world at 12. Yes.
1: Right, well, He's I mean... He plays
2: every instrument. He's ready to go. He was giving us his own resume before once you got here. you get here. something
1: that I could hear and we can talk <laughs> about, man, I'm all about it, you know? So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for... Stuff to possibly put out. And, uh, you know, I just, I just, all I'm trying to do is put my money where my mouth is because I just want to put out rad stuff. It doesn't matter what genre, it doesn't matter who it is. I just want to put it out and, and make put good music out there and know that I had a hand in doing it.
2: Yeah. I got to wrap up. That's what the music means. Uh, we are done for today. We're done from LA. I'll be back live with you tomorrow. We'll do that throwdown first cars versus first Boston. That's going to be awesome. Three oh, o'clock Eastern. Well, I'll get Scott one. and Corey's picks right oh. now off the air and I'll share them on air tomorrow for their picks on this but that's going to be a lot of fun 3 o'clock Eastern live tomorrow here on 103 again uh, pre-order right now the second Corey Taylor album CMF 2 out September 15th Scott ran down all the stuff he's got and it's really revels world we're just living in it it's all about the future (laughs) he's ready to take over playing every instrument well fun day there in LA for sure Scott Ian an old 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 friend Uh, thanks to his son his son is super talented at just 12 Keep an eye on what he's doing, man. That's the future right there. And, of course, Scott working on new Anthrax music, a bunch of different stuff he has going on. Corey super busy as well with his own career, uh, with his solo artist stuff, and also, of course, with Slipknot from time to time as well. Again, if you have SiriusXM, you can watch that entire interview on video. That is now available on the app. If you don't have SiriusXM, please join us. Get a free subscription. Try it out for three months. Again, SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. No credit card required. And you can sample what you're missing with a daily rock talk show in Trunk Nation, Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern time on Faction Talk Channel 103. Be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page. Next appearance is the 18th of August, Rolling Meadows, Illinois. I'll be hosting a show at Rep's Place featuring local band The Bites, really cool, exciting new young rock band, and looking forward to seeing them and seeing you if you happen to be in that part of the country. And then after that, it's Rocklahoma creeping up, almost here, Labor Day weekend in Pryor, Oklahoma. Hosted that every year since 07. Happy to be back doing it once again. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. I hope you catch me on the radio each and every day, and I'll see you out and about. Take care. Have a good one.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for
1: you. Love, Mom.